Well, we're in this series called Grace at Work, and we're looking at how grace works itself out in our life of, of being a believer. And so we've been taking a piece of grace uh, week after week, and we'll do this all the way through Palm Sunday, then Easter uh, we'll be at the event center, one service, we'll celebrate Easter Sunday like we always do as a community at the event center. And so today I'm going to talk to you about this topic that is, has a lot of emotion, and I think you'll understand why when I start unpacking this topic today that we're going to talk about. But I want to talk to you about this topic of, of, of offer, offering grace and what it means to offer grace to others. And, and really and truly, that's just a that's just a graceful way of saying forgiveness. In other words, what it means to forgive, what it means to learn to forgive, what it means to walk through the process of forgiveness in your life so that you have freedom and that you have joy and that so grace is at work in your life. You know, a lot of times you can look at the theory of, of, of electricity and, and, and look at it this way, or at least I do, that grace works a lot like the theory of electricity. In the, and I mean that like this that electricity will not flow into something that it cannot flow out of, okay? So that's why uh, rubber or, or wood or glass is a great insulator of electricity because electricity cannot flow out of it, and as a result of that, it will not flow into it. Does that make sense? And so that's why you can take an extension cord and you can have 120 volts in there and you can hold it because, because electricity won't flow out of the insulator, uh, it won't flow into it. The same is true with grace. And the same is true with forgiveness. And the same is true with grace, that grace will not flow into your life if it cannot flow out of your life. And when you understand what it means to forgive and what it offers us, and listen, I know this is an emotional topic. Matthew chapter 18, verse 21 is where we're going to be today. And we're going to walk through a, just a teaching of Jesus. And so let me tell you this, just a couple of things about forgiveness first. Because what I find in and talking with people and talking with couples and trying to help them sometimes walk through this area of forgiveness is that it can be, it can be emotional. And because a lot of times I think it is for believers that believers confuse forgiveness with reconciliation. And there's some believers that believe, you know what, that's the same thing, that just because I forgive someone, that means I need to reconcile with someone. And no, that's not the truth. And so what you see is you see forgiveness is one thing and reconciliation is a different thing. In other words, this, forgiveness only takes one person. Reconciliation takes two. Okay? Okay. So the fact is, reconciliation, the English word, word rec, rec, reconciliation, but if we go back to the Greek word, uh, the Greek word means this. Reconciliation in the Greek simply means this, to, to, to change mutually. In other words, it takes ch change of two parties to bring about reconciliation. So this weekend, I'm just going to talk to you about forgiveness. And so let's just, let's just leave that in the forgiveness box this weekend. And next weekend, I'm going to talk to you about reconciliation. What is reconciliation? What does reconciliation look like? Uh, how do you know when you should reconcile, when you shouldn't reconcile, and all those other things? Because there's, I mean, I mean it's, a, it's a complicated issue. But this morning, I want to talk to you about this issue of, of forgiveness. I don't know if you follow uh, the NBA and, and basketball, but there's a coach. In fact, he's the assistant coach of the Oklahoma City Thunder, and his name is Monty Williams. And Monty Williams is, is, a, is, is a deep believer. 
Uh, he, he's lived out his faith for many years. Fact is, a couple of years ago, Monty, Monty Williams was wrongfully fired from from a team, and, and in, in the press conference, they asked him, "Well, what do you feel about the the owners that fired you, and and do you think this is right?" And and Monty Williams says, "You know what? I'm a believer. I walk in grace. I walk in forgiveness. And here's what I know: regardless of how they've treated me, Romans 8:28 is still true in my life. That God can take the bad and bring good out of it. And so he just walked with that." Well, Monty Williams got a job as an assistant coach at Oklahoma City Thunder. And then on February the 9th, just a while back, his wife, uh, Ingrid Williams, was traveling in the family's SUV with three of their five children. And so they're traveling. She's driving. And then coming in an opposite direction down the highway is a lady traveling at a high rate of speed. fact is she's traveling at about 92 miles an hour is what they estimate, about 43 miles an hour over the speed limit. And so she's traveling at a high rate of speed. She loses control of her car. She crosses one lane, crosses the white line, comes into the lane of traffic, and she hit Ingrid Williams' vehicle head-on. So as a result of that, Ingrid Williams lost her life. Three of, the, three of her kids that were in the vehicle uh, were sustained injuries, were in the hospital. And then the lady, who it was her fault, she as well lost her life. And this last week, um, they had a memorial service for Ingrid Williams, and Monty Williams got up to speak. A lot of NBA players there, uh, TNT, ESPN, Sports Zone. A lot of people played the clip, or in fact, just showed the service, but especially played the seven-minute clip when Monty Williams spoke at his wife's memorial service. Now, I don't know how you would handle something like that, and you know what? I don't know how I would handle something like that, but we know how Monty Williams handled it. In fact, is that the video of him speaking at his wife's memorial service went viral. It, it, it trended for almost two days on Twitter, uh, Facebook, social media. Uh, people are playing the clip over and over. And so here's what I just want to, I'm going to quote him. I'm just going to read a portion of what Monty Williams said at his wife's funeral. Here's what he said. He said, I, I, I want to close with this. And I think it's the most important thing that we need to understand. Everyone is praying for me and my family, which is right. But let us not forget that there were two people in this situation. And that family needs prayer as well. And we have no ill will towards that family. In my house, we have a sign that says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We cannot serve the Lord if we don't have a heart of forgiveness. It's the teaching of Jesus that we're going to look at. That family didn't wake up wanting to hurt my wife. Life is hard. It's very hard. And that was very hard, tough. But we hold no ill will towards the Donaldson family. And we as a group... Brothers united in unity should be praying for that family because they, they grieve as well. So let's not lose sight of what's the most important thing. That Christ died on the cross for our sins and God loves us. It's walking in forgiveness. Jesus said this about this issue of forgiveness, that forgiveness is the mark of the Christian life. 
Fact is, forgiveness is an identifying mark that, Christ, that grace has come into your life and grace is coming out of your life. Listen, if grace does not flow out of your life, I'm just going to tell you, grace will not come into your life. And you'll live a life of unforgiveness, but you'll live a life with no joy and with no peace and a lot of anger. Fact is, here's what's interesting about the Christian faith, which makes it so unique to all the other world religions and philosophies and everything else that is out there, that, that, that all the other world religions and philosophies look to the future. How can I improve my life? How can I be a better person? How can I change the future? That type of thing. Only the Christian faith looks at the past and helps us deal with the sin and the stuff of the past. Fact is, another thing that makes Christianity so unique towards all the other world religions is this. Only the Christian faith has a doctrine of forgiveness. I mean, Jesus Christ himself lived that out on the cross, right? I mean, when Jesus Christ was being crucified for our sins, Jesus is the one that prayed, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they are doing. And so Jesus gives us insight into this teaching. And I'm just telling you this text I'm about ready to read. I just, I just want to tell you, this is the hard, this is the hard teachings of Jesus. Uh, one of these years, I'm going to do a series, and we're just going to walk through the hard sayings, the hard teachings of Jesus, and this is one of them. This is one of those things that's kind of hard for us as Christians sometimes to accept because when we harbor unforgiveness, we always feel like we're so justified. We feel like it's always our right because they, they don't deserve forgiveness and all of those other things. And so we, we have to be thankful for Simon Peter because Simon Peter lived such an authentic life and a transparent life. Whatever Simon Peter was thinking, he said. And so many times he drew Jesus into some of the deepest teaching of Jesus when he just simply asked a question. And so Simon Peter asked a question, and to answer it, Jesus tells a parable. Now, parable simply means this in Scripture. A parable, well, the word parable means to, 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 to come alongside, to throw along the side of. In other words, it was a story that Jesus would tell to throw alongside of biblical, scriptural truth so that we could understand a complex thought in Scripture. So here, here, here's the account. Genesis, uh, Genesis, I don't know where that came from. <laughs> Matthew 18, 21. So Matthew 18, 21. Here, here's the story. I'm going to read the whole text, and then I'm going to give you three application points about this issue of forgiveness. Uh, Matthew 18, 21. Then, then Peter came up to him and said, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me, and I forgive him? I just wonder, I just have to wonder, we have no indication but by that question, I just wonder if, if Simon Peter is dealing with the most difficult person to forgive, that person that's for, that is hurting you over and over and over. I mean, it's like one of those continual things. It's not a, a one-time event that's just kind of stuck in your past, but it's that person that it just seems like they, they, just, they, they, they just keep hurting you. And so he goes on and he says, and I forgive him, as many as seven times... And Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king. So here comes the parable. Who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and, and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, Have patience with me. I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. 
But when the same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii and seasoned him, and he began to choke him, saying, Pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him the same way that he pleaded with the king, remember? By the way, 10,000 talents equal to $8 million in our economy. 100 denarii equal to $17. Here this man had just been forgiven of $8 million. And he remembers the guy that owes him $17. He refused and went and put him in the prison until he paid the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And, you should, and, should, not, and should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy to, on you? And in his anger, his master de delivered him to, to the prison, to the jail, you know what that jail is? That's the jail. That's the prison of unforgiveness. Because it will torment you. It will close you off. You will have no peace in your life. And he says, and then until he, until he should pay all of his debt. And then verse 35, now here's the hard teaching. See, we're tracking with the story now, right? We're tracking how could a guy that had been forgiven of $8 million not forgive one of $17? That's, that's crazy. And then watch this, verse 25. So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you. If you do not forgive your brother from your heart, that's harsh. That's difficult. Saying grace has to come into your life and it has to flow out of your life. And oh, by the way, if grace does not flow out of your life and you don't cut people some slack, and you don't offer grace to others, and you don't forgive them, Jesus said, I hate to tell you this, but grace will not enter your life. One of the evidences that we're believers is that we can forgive. One of the evidences that we have had a changed life is this issue of forgiveness, because guess what? We live in a world that doesn't forgive. We live in a world that says, says I, I get even and I pay back and all this other stuff. And they hold grudges and they hold revenge and they're waiting for that day. Fact is, you look at a lot of the movies that are out there, it's about people getting even, right? We, we have a society like that. And so Jesus comes along and says, oh, one of the evidences that grace has come into your life, you can forgive others. And if you don't, then guess what? i got to deal with your unforgiveness. And as a result of that, I'll put you in, so to speak, like this, in, in, and deal with your unforgiveness until you deal with it. So I want to give you three things about forgiveness. It's just really important for us to understand. And please hear me. I am not talking about reconciliation today. Do not let that be a barrier to you. Do not let that be a barrier to you at all. Today is only about forgiveness. It is not about reconciliation. I understand there are some people that you cannot reconcile with. I get that. I understand that. And so I just need you to track with me because I'm telling you, forgiveness is for you, not for them. Forgiveness has nothing to do with them. Forgiveness has everything to do with you and your relationship to the Lord so grace can come. Listen, don't, don't let anyone control you. Don't let anyone take that away from you. Where you walk through the process of forgiveness. So the first thing is this, when we, when we understand forgiveness, our forgiveness for others is limitless. 
Our forgiveness for others is limitless. See, see, Simon Peter's trying to say that there's a limit. Simon Peter's trying to say, well, let's just read it again, verse 21. Then Peter came up to him and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times. And Jesus said to him, I, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. You see, here, here's what Jesus, I'm sorry, here's what Simon Peter was saying. Simon Peter thought he understood Christian grace. You see, the rabbinical code in their time, in their culture, what they taught the Jews, what the, what the Jewish rabbis taught was this, that if someone sins against you once, you forgive them. If someone sins against you a second time, you forgive them. If someone sins against you a third time, you forgive them. But if someone sins against you the fourth time, you don't forgive them. In other words, what they taught in their day was this, that, human, that there was human limitation to human forgiveness. That anyway, there was a place that someone could come to where you no longer had to forgive them. And so Simon Peter thought, you know what? I'll double the rabbinical code and I'll add one and I'll, I'll, get, all, I'll, I'll get an A. I mean, I'll get an attaboy from Jesus. And Jesus looked at him and said, I, Simon, I never said that. I, I never said seven I said 77. Now listen, Jesus wasn't trying to put a limitation on forgiveness. fact is, when you look at that teaching, when you look at it in the Greek, you realize that what Jesus was saying, in essence, forgiveness is limitless. In other words, uh, 1 Corinthians 13 says this, that, that love keeps no records of wrongs. It's one of the indicators in my life when I know I'm harboring unforgiveness is when I keep records of wrongs. And I can remember. I can remember date and time, and I can remember that person. I can remember what they said, what they did. And, but Scripture says love keeps no records of wrong. What Jesus was trying to help Simon Peter and us to understand is this issue of forgiveness is, man, it's limitless. He's also trying to help us to understand this issue that when you come to the place in your life and you understand the grace of God in your life, when you understand how much He's forgiven you for, it becomes easier to forgive others. The man that owed $8 million. It's so funny, that man said, hey, just be patient with me, I'll pay you back. I ran some numbers over the weekend and and if you take the average salary of their time, and that you would realize it would take that man working for the next 200,000 years, given every dime he ever made to the king to pay that debt. In other words, it was a debt that he could not pay. And he gets forgiven of that. And then he keeps a record of wrong, and as soon as he gets freedom in that area, you know what he does? He goes and finds that guy that owes him 17 bucks, which it would take that guy only 200 days to pay that back. Almost nothing. The principle that Jesus is trying to get us to understand about this issue of grace is this, is that God will never ask you to forgive more than what he's already forgiven you of. In other words, he's already wiped a debt out in your life that you can never pay back. And he's never going to ask you to forgive more than that with another individual that has sinned against you. 
In other words, he wants us to walk in forgiveness. Listen, I, I'm just going to tell you, this issue of unforgiveness in, in, in someone's life can manifest its way in so many areas of your life. And it can hurt the relationships around you. It can hurt current relationships. That person that has hurt you, uh, it may have been a year ago. It may have been five years ago. It may have been ten years ago. But can, can I just tell you this? When you harbor unforgiveness, you know what you're doing? You're allowing that individual to continue to hurt you. They, you may not even have any contact with them anymore. They may be deceased. And because of your unforgiveness, it's like the man in the story that because of his unforgiveness, he was placed in the jail for his, Scripture says, for his, his torment. Unforgiveness will torment you. Unforgiveness will haunt you. And unforgiveness can manifest its way in so many different ways in someone's life, whether it's, whether it's people trying to self-medicate, just try to get freedom, just try to get some, some peace, just, just some temporary peace, or in behavior, or in, in, in other areas of their life. And so the, the first thing we need to understand about this issue of forgiveness is Christian forgiveness is, is limitless. See, Monty Williams knew that. Monty Williams got that. And we need to get that, and we need to understand that. The second thing is this about forgiveness. Our forgiveness for others is not only limitless, but it, it's unconditional. Our forgiveness for others is not only limitless, but our forgiveness for others is just, it's just unconditional. In other words, Jesus begins going through this parable, and he begins telling a story, and he begins telling a story that this man had a very large debt, 10,000 talents, $8 million in our currency. And he falls down and he pleads mercy and he says, please forgive me, I'll pay it back, I'll do whatever. And then all of a sudden the debt is wiped away because he said, don't cast me into prison and don't sell my, my family and my house and my car and my boat and my toys and all that. Because legally that's what he could have done, the king could have done that. He didn't do any of that. He totally and completely forgave him. And this same man who was totally and completely forgiven, he remembers there's, there's a guy that owes him 17 bucks and he heads out to him and he confronts him. And it, it's, it's like the same story. The man says, please give me time. Let me try to pay you back. Don't put me into prison. Don't sell my family and don't sell my, 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 my house and my car and my boat and all of those other things. But he refused to forgive him. And so he, he grabs him. It says he seizes him. So here's the interesting thing. Who is the angriest person in this story? The man with unforgiveness. In men, it is common that the root to their anger is unforgiveness. The root, what is driving their anger, what is driving their violence, what is driving their life is this root issue of just anger this man, because he harbored unforgiveness at the root, uh, at the root of his anger was this issue of unforgiveness, and 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 he grabs him and he's violent. He ho he, he he chokes him and he says, "Pay pay me back what you owe," and then then God says, and he throws him in, and then God has that man thrown in prison. And he says, "The same way you dealt with him, I'll deal with you," and so this is deep teaching. You listen. When you carry unforgiveness and grace does not flow out of your life, 
God's word is just so clear that grace will not flow into your life. Because I'm just telling you, we just got to understand, God has forgiven us of more than we will ever have to forgive someone else for. Because see, when we sinned against God, we sinned against innocence. We sinned against the one who is holy, who is perfect, who is the, the good, good father who loves us deeply. We have sinned against a holy and a righteous and a perfect God that cannot sin against us. So no wonder this is called amazing grace, right? Not only he who has never sinned, he forgave our debt, but he comes to us and he pursues us and he searches us and he begs us to accept his forgiveness. And because of that, because of receiving his grace and understanding what he's done for us, he is... He is the source of all good things in your life. And greater is the debt against a holy God, which has been forgiven by his blood, and his grace does not even compare what a sinner has done against us as we ourselves have sinned against people. And so he begins helping us understand that, that forgiveness is unconditional. In other words, in the story, Jesus didn't place any conditions on forgiving someone. He didn't, he didn't say, for, forgive them if they ask for forgiveness. He didn't say, that forgive them if they, like, deserve it. He didn't say, forgive them, don't forgive them until, until they change or they act different or until they beg you. He does not say, forgive a man if he changes or if she changes or if you, you like them now or, or you want them back, you want them back in a relationship, you want to get in their good graces, then you forgive them. The fact is, Jesus teaches that, that forgiveness is totally unconditional. And he says, so you don't forgive him because they desire it, they want it. Listen, there's some people, there's some people in my past that have hurt me and they've hurt me deeply. They're not even, they don't even want forgiveness. They don't even desire forgiveness. And so Jesus doesn't put any conditions on it. He's not saying you forgive them because they beg you, because they ask for it, because they deserve it. He said you, you forgive them for one reason, because you're a believer, because you're a Christian. You forgive them because grace has come into your life. God's forgiven you of a much larger debt than you will ever have to forgive them for. And as a result of that, listen, the forgiveness is for you. Man, it is, it's so it releases you. And that's why he didn't put any conditions on that. The third and the last thing about this, 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 this forgiveness is that our forgiveness for others is, is a testimony. Our forgiveness for others is, is, is a testimony. Man, I'll tell you what, in our society, in our time, there is so little human forgiveness. I mean, most people carry grudges. Most people are trying to get even. I mean, we live in a society to where nobody forgives anymore. That everybody is angry and everybody is like running on the edge. And part of our testimony, fact is when the world sees true biblical human forgiveness, it shocks them. I mean, Monty Williams, it was a memorial service for his wife. And there, there were a lot of NBA players in attendance. And because of that, ESPN, Sports Center, TNT, and some other sports networks were, 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 were playing clips of it and showing it. I saw it first on TNT when they showed the seven-minute clip of what Monty Williams said. 
And I sat there and watched the desk with Charles Barkley standing, sitting there. And like, it was, it was like a moment. I mean, nobody knew what to say. Nobody knew what to, how to respond. Listen, your forgiveness of others is a testimony to this world. Fact is, LeBron James tweeted. LeBron James was in attendance that day. And he tweeted right after the memorial service. He, he sent this out and he said, Monty Williams, you're an incredible man. How powerful and strong. So moving, watching you. Can I tell you this? The most powerful, strong thing that you can do is to forgive. And is to release someone. You cannot do that in your own strength. Everybody knows if someone could forgive at that moment, it had to be supernatural. It had to be different. Listen, I'm telling you, when we forgive, we are never more like Christ. When you can see grace flowing out of someone's life, when you understand how much God has forgiven you for, some have said that 90% of the people in mental institutions could be instantly healed and corrected if they could just understand that God totally and completely has forgiven them. You can ask any counselor, you can ask any pastor who does pastoral counseling, and they'll tell you the two most common things they deal with forgiveness and guilt trying to help people forgive others how trying to help people come over overcome the issue of guilt in their life and for some it's hard for them to come to that place to where they can just truly forgive and jesus says as a believer grace comes into your life grace flows out of your life as a believer, you, you, you act on forgiveness, you live forgiveness out, you demonstrate it wherever you go, you, you understand that forgiveness is part of your Christian life, that's why it's, it's, it's a command in Scripture, it's not a suggestion in Scripture. But counselors and pastors who do counseling often discover that, that, that a person's unwillingness to forgive someone lies deep at the heart of all kinds of their personal problems and addictions. Man, there's, there's some people will tell me, and I get this on one level, and I don't, but there's, some, there's, there's, there's people that will tell me, well, I can forgive, but I'll never forget. And, and I can understand that in a traumatic event. But that's a small minority of things that we have to forgive. Here's what I've learned. We choose to forget what we want to forget, and we choose to forgive the things we want to forget. Man, when we understand that oh, this issue of unforgiveness, see what unforgiveness does to you, it puts you in this pr prison to where you can no longer see the grace of God. And because of that, some people have forgotten the last 20 good things your spouse did for you because you remember the one bad thing they did 10 years ago. And you're unwilling to forgive them. And as a result of that, you cannot see any good that they do because you remember that one thing. And we tend to forget what we want to forget, and we tend to forgive what we want to forgive. And Jesus says that's dangerous. Because where there is an unforgiving spirit, there will be no grace. 
where there's an unforgiving spirit in a home, where there's an unforgiving spirit in the workplace, where there's an unforgiving spirit in a church, there will be no grace in that home, in that life, in that workplace, or in that church. That's why the angriest person in this story is the man that had unforgiveness for the $17 debt. That's why Jesus prayed in the model prayer, the Lord's prayer, whatever you want to call that, about this issue of forgiveness. And he prayed that he gave us a model of how we're to pray. Father, forgive us of our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us. Don't be an insulator of grace. Grace will not flow into you that it cannot flow out of. The most dangerous thing you can do in life is refuse to forgive. A lot of people have a false belief and say, you know what, if I, if I refuse, if I forgive them, it will, like, help them. And as long as I don't forgive them, then it will, like, hurt them. Anne Lamont says this about that. She says, not forgiving is like drinking rat poison and then waiting for the rat to die. It only hurts you. And Jesus said, man, learn to forgive. Monty Williams closed his, his, his talk with this. Let not, let's not lose sight of what's important. God will work this out. My wife is in heaven. God is love. And when we walk away from this place today, let's celebrate because my wife is where we all need to be, and I'm envy of that. Let's not lose sight of what's important. God's important. What God did for us on the cross is important. Would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes? Let me ask you with your heads bowed and eyes closed, I, I just want you to just... Just sit before the Lord for the moment. And the only reason we ask for heads bowed, eyes closed is because sometimes we're just so easily distracted in, in our society. But let me just ask you a question as a result of this message. What is, what is your next step? How does God want you to respond? Is there someone that you need to forgive? Is there someone, a situation, a person that as soon as I started talking about forgiveness, that person's face came to your mind, their name came to your mind, that event came to your mind, then maybe that's the Lord telling you this is the person you need to forgive. So is there someone that you need to forgive? It may be a parent, it may be a spouse, it may be a child, it may be a coworker, it may be someone placed in authority over you. But I'm telling you, do not be an insulator of God's grace. God's grace will not flow in to someone or something that it cannot flow out of. So today, for you, for your sake, would you forgive them? Just tell the Lord, Lord, to the very best of my ability, this day I forgive, and then you can fill in the name, you can fill in the blank. And I release them. And I want joy and I want peace and I want to be a conduit of your grace and I'm going to offer grace. And I'm going to, I'm going to let you deal with this situation and deal with that individual. I, I, I'm going to get, away, get out of the way and I'm just going to let you be God.
Maybe you're here this afternoon and you'd say, you know what, I, I just, I need prayer. I mean, I'm, I'm carrying a burden. I, 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 I just got this thing that I just need prayer for. Well, we want to pray for you. So in just a few minutes after I pray, we're going to stand. And when we stand, if you need prayer in any area of your life, I'm just going to ask that as we stand up together that you would just step out and make your way down to the front if you desire prayer. This is when we minister to each other. And you may need prayer as a result of this message, a result of forgiveness. You may want to mark that, and I think that would be a great thing to do, just to have someone affirm you and pray over you and pray for you as you release that person, as you, as you mark it. You know what? Your prayer request, your burden may not have anything to do with that. It may be something totally different, and that's okay too. If you're carrying a burden, we want to pray for you. We want to minister to you. So if you need prayer, after I pray, we stand, you come. Father, we thank you for your love, and we thank you for your grace. Father, we thank you for the power of your name. And so, Father, we just ask that you just pull this church very closely to you. And then, Father, that we'd be willing just to respond to you. We'd understand we're not responding to a pastor. We're not responding to a church. Uh, Father, you're here with us. We, you are in our midst, and this day we're responding to you. And, Father, may we minister one to another. As we pray for one another, as we encourage one another, may we give comfort, may we give encouragement, may we give strength and support. Father, we thank you that we can do life together. So, Father, we just look forward to see what you're going to do. For we ask these things in Jesus' name, amen.